um, kind of uh, got a turn in the series. You'll get a preview it preview of it today, and you'll hear a depth of it uh, even further on tomorrow about warring, warring in prayer. Sometimes in prayer you intercede to God, but there's other times where you have to address the devil. And right, it's just like if you're um, in the court and then someone's making a case and then you jump up and say, I object, right? And so sometimes when you're in prayer, um, the enemy is doing things. And so you have to rise up against him as much as you have to plead your own case to your heavenly father. Amen. So we'll talk some about that. All right. Uh, let's get into the word, uh, brothers, men of destiny. Um, in our prayer today, we're going to talk about warfare in prayer. The fact that 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 you have an adversary and um, that there are some tools and some weapons that he uses against you. But God has given you some tools and weapons to use against him as well. All right. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 12 is our first scripture that we'll start with. Revelations chapter 12 verse 7 through 12. And it says, and war broke out in the heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. All right, so let's just talk about prayer for, for a minute here. We've given you a definition of prayer that you see there. Prayer is the intentional communication with God. And we did some of that here this morning. We were intentional to talking with God. And listen, man, you know, you don't have to have it perfect, but you need to talk. We can't have a conversation. We can't start it if you're not talking. Right. And then last week we talking, we talked also about not only talking, but pausing to hear what God is saying to you, giving and receiving directives. That's God giving and you receiving. That's that hearing part. Like, OK, God, I'm asking you to do this. And then he says, OK, David, I want you to do that. So taking time to just pause, you know, my my practice is, you know, I always like to have something written. An, a writing instrument near me so that if God starts talking, I can take a note down. Okay, you want me to do this? You want me to say that? I just want to, sometimes I'm right in the middle of praying and I get a flash of an instruction. I know that's God. So giving and receiving directives, offering petitions, a petition. Anybody ever seen those people that walk around and ask you to sign a petition? Okay, a petition is a formal request to somebody in government. 
to do something on behalf of its citizens, expressing adoration. That's why we talk about praise and worship, verbalizing contrition and commitment. God, I apologize. I missed your standards here. So I'm apologizing. That's what contrition means. Acknowledging thanksgiving and interceding for others. We've also talked about prayer is FaceTime with the father that so impacts me that I leave with the greater reflection of his name, his nature, his character, and his conquering spirit. I want to pray in a way that even when my situations don't immediately change, I change in how I approach my situation, right? And then we've given you the acrostic definition of prayer being petitioning royal access, yielding effective results. And that came from James chapter five, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All right. Now we've talked about the devil coming down with great wrath. We talked about the fact that uh, just reading the scripture there, that uh, he is a deceiver who deceives the whole world. And so there were certain things that that we want to give you about him. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians 2, 11, and we're reading this one out of the King James Version. 2 Corinthians 2, and 11, it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan is always trying. Your spiritual, invisible adversary is always trying to take advantage of you, to hurt you, to kill you, to destroy your life, to destroy your influence, all right? He can get advantage over us, but he uses certain tools to do that, right? He uses certain tools to do that. Or I like to say it that um, Satan is a killer, Jesus told us that in John 10, 10, didn't he? Another passage, Jesus said that he was a murderer from the beginning. But he's not just a killer. He's a serial killer. Have you ever heard the term serial killer? Right? He's a serial killer. Right? A serial killer tells us that there's a method to the madness. Whenever there's a serial killer, the first thing that the detectives are trying to do is figure out the pattern that the killer uses. All right? Because if we can figure out the pattern, we can then figure out the pattern maker. And if we can figure out the pattern and the pattern maker, then we know how to protect ourselves against it. All right? So let's look at some things here. Seven characteristics of our enemy from Revelation 12, 7 through 12. Number one, it's called, it calls him the great dragon. Great means he's big in influence. All right. So Satan tries to be, uh, tries to put his bling on the world. He's great in influence. The word dragon really speaks to the fact that his appearance in the spirit realm is fascinating to behold. Sometimes, you know, I, I had a situation um, yesterday at work where uh, one of my employees had an epileptic seizure. 
And uh, before I could jump into action, I was just stunned and fascinated at what I saw. It caught me off guard. So that's what that's the implication here that he's fascinating and he tries to do things or let you see him in ways that would um, surprise and shock and leave you in shock and all. Number two is the old serpent. The, uh, the word for serpent here describes the fact that Satan has sharp vision. He has sharp vision. In other words, uh, have you ever heard the phrase, if it was a snake, it would have bit me? Heard that phrase before? Uh, that means it's somewhere in plain sight seeing you, but you can't see it. The word there, serpent, says your enemy has sharp vision. The fact that he's an old serpent means he has been studying mankind for a long time and is a student of human nature. He's always looking for weaknesses that he can use to exploit and destroy people. Number three, he is known as the devil. The word here in the Greek is diabolos. That's, if you're in Spanish, you know El Diablo is the word that they used to describe the devil. It's described someone who throws false accusations at a person. You should expect to have your mind and your motives barraged, barraged, throwing something constantly at you over long periods of time by the devil and demonic people who want to attack your character or attack God's character to you. Okay, I'm going to make a statement and I want you to finish it. All that preacher wants is your. Now, why does everybody know that? Why does everybody know that? Why does everybody know that? Okay. Um. If you go all around the world in all kinds of languages, people will tell you that because it's not the people that say that statement didn't come from people. It's the devil that keeps throwing that thought out at folks. It's a false accusation. Four is the word. Um, he is Satan. Satan implies um, that he is an opposer. It's almost, it's like a, it's like a, if you could say Jesus is your defense attorney, Satan is the person on the other side, the prosecuting attorney. Whatever is good on one side, you can always find the devil lining up on the other side, right? You in football, right? You got a offense. You got somebody on the other side of the line that's always squaring off against you, Right? Trying to figure out how they're going to take your head off. That's what this, that's, that's what the term Satan means. Five, he is known as the deceiver of the whole world. The word here implies a continuous action that has become a habitual character. How do you know Satan is lying? His lips are moving. Okay. He has a continuous Action to deceive. It's, it's habit. He can't talk to you without a lie. That's why whenever you, you know, saints come crying to me. And listen, I'm your pastor. You want to cry? Come cry. You know what the devil told me? 
whatever he told you, you know he lying. If the devil told you, you already know it's not true because his character is to deceive. Number six, he's the accuser of the brethren. Now, this one really is the legal term, right? He's an evil prosecuting attorney. He tries to accuse us before God in a legal system to say that he has a right to destroy our lives because we are in some violation of spiritual truth. And then finally, number seven, he has anger management and time management issues. Yeah. The scripture says the devil has come down with great wrath because he knows his time is short. He is fast and furious. Yeah. He understands that his biological clock is ticking. He only has a certain amount of time to deceive humanity before Jesus deals with him throughout all eternity. All right. Now, the second part of this uh, passage of scripture that we read tells us that we have been given five grace gifts to help you overcome the enemy. So let's deal with those five grace gifts given by God to help you overcome the enemy. Number one, God has given you salvation. God has set up for you to be saved from everything that the enemy has to destroy your life. Salvation is your guarantee of deliverance, preservation, and safety. Salvation is in your spirit, your soul, your body, your family, and your relationships. He's also given you strength. God has strength for you. You are not here on your own without some strength. Listen, 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 listen. The devil tries to tell you, you I, he tries to talk you out of putting your strength down to give up, but you don't have to. This word strength here, it says, um, this is the dunamis or the dynamic, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be a spirit-filled believer. Let me say that again. You need to be a spirit-filled believer. Let me say it one more time. You need to be a spirit-filled believer because you cannot fight a supernatural enemy with natural strength. And you need to be a spirit-filled believer who prays in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues is like bodybuilding for your spirit man. And if you look at the book of Jude, about around verse 24, that word there when it says building yourself up, up on your most holy faith is the word bodybuilding. All right. So praying in tongues is pumping iron for your spirit man. Hallelujah. Now, three, he's given you his kingdom. The kingdom is the sovereign rulership and governing influence of the king Jesus over his territory, his domain, impacting it with his will, intent, and purpose, and creating citizens like you and me who reflect the culture and the nature of the king. Or the acrostic definition that I have is that it's the king's influence and non-negotiable governmental dominion over masses, that's people over matter. That's the physical world and over your enemy. That's the devil. So God's kingdom come and his will being done means that his kingdom will push back and fight the kingdom of the world. In other words, when the enemy attacks me, the empire strikes back. 
Angels will fight for me because they are part of his kingdom. Other believers will stand in faith with me. We are a kingdom and we are a force to be reckoned with. And God himself, the king, will fight for me, too. Don't get it twisted. Number four is delegated authority or power of the anointed one who is Christ. This talks about the authority that has been conferred onto Jesus by the father. Okay, so that delegated authority that has been given to us has, first of all, the father gave Jesus. Scripture says God the father gave Jesus a name that is above every name. Right. God raised him from the dead, seated him at his own right hand. Told him, sit down to your enemies, be made your footstool. But hold it. God didn't just delegate to Jesus a name. God, through Jesus, delegated us the use of his name. So part of our man, I told you about the situation that happened. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Now, everybody else, they doing what they do, and I'm not mad with the first responders that jumped into action, but I'm like, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> right? Because that's a name that I've been given to use in my situation. Sometimes situations happen so fast, I only have time for that one word prayer. What's that one word prayer? Jesus! And I say it like that, too, when it's really bad. Now... Some people use the name that I pray to as a cuss word. Don't do that. Right? If you're going to use the name, use it as a weapon of war. Don't use it and don't shoot yourself with it. Right? You can have a gun. You, can, you know you can shoot yourself with a gun? Just like you can shoot an enemy with it. Right? Don't shoot yourself by cussing with the name of Jesus. That's, that's a hint. Okay. Um, not only has that name been conferred to Jesus, but it also talks about the delegated authority that has been given to us, the body of Christ, to use the name of Jesus. However, spiritual maturity is required. You see, my wife and my daughter both have my name. But the authority to use my name is greater in my daughter than in my wife because of her maturity and because of the nature of our covenant. In other words, if I died and my wife's not here, my daughter gets the accounts because she has my name. But my wife, they'll let her go into the bank and spend it all. Right about it? That's right? Yeah. She has more authority because she not only has my name, she has a covenant with me that's on a higher order. You children of God have the name of God, but they might not know how to use the name of Jesus to move Satan out of their situation. But if you mature in relationship to him, Satan in the name of Jesus, take your hands off my daughter. See, now I have addressed my enemy. I'm not addressing him on my own authority. I'm addressing him in the name of Jesus and saying, you take your hands off of my family. Now, I don't say that all week. I say it like I got some authority. If I got a gun, I'm not talking to you all week. I'm pointing that thing at you saying, man, you, you better step off. You, you follow me? 
So the same way you have that kind of authority when you pray in the name of Jesus. And you tell him in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over my daughter, over my grandson. I speak healing into situations in the name of Jesus. Devil, you take your hands off of them. I call on God and I call on his healing power and authority to move in my life and in my situation. If I know that, you know, the scripture says that the devil deceives the whole world. You got a family member in some false religion. I rebuke the spirit of Islam in the name of Jesus. That's a lie. I'm calling my family out of that. In Jesus name. No, devil, no. There is one God and Muhammad is not his prophet. What? It's not. I got the name of Jesus. So I'm taking the name of Jesus and I'm saying it's higher than all of that. And I'm standing for the truth and I'm warring in prayer. I'm interceding to God, but I'm also addressing the devil that's lying to him. You follow me? So both of those are both types of things that we do in prayer. And then finally, uh, number five is the delegated authority of his anointing. Christ is both the anointed one, but also it is also the anointing. The anointing is the Holy Spirit being available to come upon you with burden removing, yoke destroying power. I believe in the power of his Christ the power of the anointing to come upon me with supernatural strength in prayer. Like I could get tired in prayer, but then I can be anointed to pray. And, and, and I feel an empowerment from the Holy Spirit to pray through on situations. Right. I can have situations that I'm facing in relationships that are difficult but I can sense the presence of God to address and deal with things that were difficult for me to deal with before in my own strength. Right. These are things that God has given us with which to face the enemy that has come out against us. All right. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter six. We're going to read verses 10 through 20. Brothers, you're getting kind of the early class on this because this will be part of uh our message on tomorrow. All right. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take a shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. All right. Yeah. So, so we're talking about the fact that there is a thing that we do and there's a type of prayer that we engage in that is a prayer of warfare. All right. This scripture tells us that um, God has given us strength but we have to choose to take that strength on. You be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay? Says that there is an evil day. You talking about having bad days, there is an evil day where, where Satan takes the opposing forces that he has and launches them to attack your life so that he may steal, kill, and destroy. Now, sometimes those attacks come from people, but it's not the people that I'm really dealing with. I'm dealing with the spirits behind the people. And this scripture says that just like if you were playing a sport and you had an opposing team and that team had different people with different positions, that the enemy, the devil, his team has different positions. He says, bump the people. Behind them, there is principalities and powers. There's the rulers of the darkness of this world. There's spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. On Tomorrow, I'll talk you through what, you know, uh, I don't expect, you know, a linebacker and a fullback don't play the same position. They're on the same, they can be on the same team, but they're not playing the same position. So, so just like that, the devil has teams and they have different positions. Okay. God has you on his team and you got your own position. And he's telling you, stand and withstand against them. Right? There's a certain stance that you take so that you don't get knocked over easy. Speaking to your grandson now, right? And am I right? Am I, am I right about it? There's a certain way you stand so they don't come and take your head off. Okay, that's what this scripture is telling us. That there's a certain way I can withstand the enemy, right? So that even though his team is highly organized, I'm gonna talk about that tomorrow. They're highly organized, and they're working against you. And each one of them plays their unique position. That's what he said. But then he's telling me that I can get into a stance, I can take the strength of God, and even as strong as they are, I have the ability because God is giving me God's own armor. God gave me his uniform. I got his pads on. Come on now. That's what that said. All right? So he begins to describe... The uniform, the armor 
that I am wearing that makes me in a place where the enemy can't take my head off. He won't to. Now, if I'm uncovered, I can get hit. And he begins to talk through these different pieces of the armor, and then he ends up dealing with this thing called prayer. And he tells us that we must pray, taking in our armor, we must pray to God and then direct our prayer attacks at the devil. And we must pray with all types of prayer and supplication or intercession for the saints. And then pray for your spiritual leader. 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 Because the devil not only attacks you, but he says to me, I'm going to smite the shepherd and the whole sheepfold will be scattered. So for me, I'm a see what what the what the um, what they would say if this was a government attack. This is a high value target. I'm a high value target. Because if I get him, then the whole congregation can be scattered. Okay, so you need to pray. All right, so let's look at some of this. And this is some opening. I'm just giving y'all, y'all getting the early, y'all the early class, y'all the early class. We'll talk some more about this on tomorrow. Eight keys, key points about the weapons of our warfare. Number one, while we see people, we must recognize they are simply puppets. We must understand that Satan is the puppet master. You get mad at folk and folk ain't your problem. There is an enemy behind the stream, behind the scenes, pulling their strings. Stop mad at the puppets. Stop it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But it didn't say we didn't wrestle. It just says that our wrestling match is not against flesh and blood. So this is up close and personal hand to hand combat but it's spiritual in nature. Number two, so I, I live, walk, and work in a natural world, but I use superhuman weapons to war at the root issue, not at the fruit issue. Yeah. I, I, I got problems with stuff, but I, deal, I go past the stuff, man. Stop getting mad with folk. Stop letting people get under your skin. Stop it. It's not them. It's the devil. Stop getting mad at the fruit. Kill it at the root. And use the superhuman weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not natural, carnal, fleshly. They are mighty through God to pulling down of demonic strongholds. Three, one of the most critical battlefields we face is the battlefield of the mind. Yeah, the devil starts to get in your head and you start to see ghosts and hear voices because he's a deceiver. He attacks your thoughts. 
people that get mad and leave a church, they all start talking the same way. It don't matter where you are on the planet. They all talk the same way. Why? Because it's not the people. There's a certain thought that they've listened to and let it take root in their minds. Right? Number four, I must understand that the devil has wiles, literally methods. The word methods actually means with road. You know, odometer measures how many, how many miles, right? Meth, the odometer, the OD in meth is with road, with the road, right? So, so, so we always talk about finding the destiny path of God. The devil got some paths too. He has special roads that he takes to get into your thinking and build up a fortified position with which to attack you in your own mind. The wiles of the devil. Number five, but the weapons you have when strategically used are fortified, right? And you have God's demonstrative and muscular power. That's the word, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might dunamis and kratos, with which to attack and resist your enemy. God wants to give you spiritual power when you're in the middle of situations that can be demonstrated. In other words, that means you can see it. People can see it. And if people can't see it, the devil certainly can. And God wants to give you his muscles to fight with. <laughs> I went down to... Uh, um, to Florida, and we went to Disney, and uh, um, the one of the Disney parks. And um, you know, I'm a, I mean, I'm a big Black Panther guy. I am. I mean, pray for me. I am. Actually, gotta. You have to see my watch. I'll show you the picture of it afterward. It actually is a Black Panther and Victor. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! I done got that thing. Yes, I have. Kind of okay. Yes, I have. I did. I did. I did. And so uh, I went down there and um, so I took a picture and one of their themes and it's me with the, with the Black Panther body and all of the muscles, right? You know, stretching out like, yeah, yeah, I did that thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I always wanted to be a black superhero. Don't, don't, don't hate on me. Don't hate on me. I always wanted to be a black superhero back in the day. And um, what happens is when I accept the authority that God has given me, I take on God's muscles to become a superhero spiritual action figure. Ha, praise the Lord. Yeah, that's what God does for me. All right. God gives you his power. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Number six, this only works if you're using your entire armor. Any pieces left off leaves you uncovered. All right. So when it talks about um, having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you know, taking on the helmet of salvation, having the sword of the spirit, above all, taking the shield of faith 
praying always with all prayer and supplication for the saints. If I don't have the truth, the righteousness, the faith, the salvation, if I don't have my feet shot with peace, if I don't have the word of God, if I don't have my prayer life intact, if I leave any of that undone, I'm going to get hurt. Because the devil's all, he's been watching you a long time. He's looking to see where he can hit you at. He studies your game tape. He's trying to find a way to get at you. He's trying to get in your grill, man. So I have to take those things and take it very seriously to make sure I'm covered. All right. Number seven, there is a little evil in every day, but there is also an evil day. All right. Jesus in Matthew 6, 33, 34 told us to seek the kingdom. And he said, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. In other words, you know, you could be going on okay and everything's okay, but then, you know, you on your way to work and somebody jumps out in front of you and then they get mad, you get mad, and y'all have some a road rageous situation, right? It just, something happened that day, you was in a hurry, you know, and then somebody did that and they flip the bird, show you their finger, and uh, you get mad. Just, just a little evil in the day. Hopefully that don't escalate to an evil day. That can escalate if you let it, right? Or you could just keep it moving and just like, praise God, I'm going to just keep it moving. But there is a thing that's called the evil day. The evil day says that there are specific times when Satan has been studying you for a long time and then he tries to launch the thing that ends your life or fundamentally destroys who you are. Just one bad day and it seemed like, man, everything turned upside down. Let's look at uh, Luke 22, 52 and 53. Then Jesus said unto the chief, chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders, which were come to him, but you come out as against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Satan had been trying to kill Jesus a long time, but he had orchestrated all of the things for that one day to launch his greatest attack. That's why the Bible says so that you need to be clothed so that you can not only withstand on, on a good day or a day with a little evil, but you can even stand up on the evil day when Satan launches his biggest attacks at your life. All right. And then key point number eight, this is Proverbs 24 and 10 in the Message Bible. And it says, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. All right. In other words, if we're going to be people who win in spiritual warfare, even when it's difficult, you got to stand strong. You follow me? Don't, don't have 
this kind of teaching and then things go bad and then you act like you don't know nothing. You forget it all. Like all your training go out the window. All right. Now, it can happen that Satan can and the enemy can catch you off guard. Those things happen. But just because he catch you off guard don't mean you need to stay off guard. Okay. What we want to understand is that these things that we do, we take that and we take this as a part of our prayer life. We take these weapons. I have right standing with God. I use the shield of faith when he's attacking me. He's attacking me. He attacks me with thoughts and words. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your marriage. I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to take your house. And then I put faith. No, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I speak words that counter that or cancel those attacks. And then I pray in those situations. And then I pray in ways that specifically counteract the thing that I see the devil is trying to act in their lives. I counterattack. Right. Very, very important. Very, very important that you take and turn situations around through the power of your own personal prayer life, that you pray over yourself, pray over your family, pray over your community. That you use the power that you have as a person and in prayer in that regard. Amen. Did you get something out of this today? Praise the Lord.